Hello, actor friends. Welcome to Acting Lessons Learned, a podcast slash audio diary where I, Tawana Floyd, share short stories documenting my acting journey and the lessons I've learned along the way. I hope my short stories of lessons learned will help you to demystify your journey, because no matter how I learn these tangible and intangible lessons, whether painless or having my foot slammed in the proverbial door, the effect gets me back on the road towards success. Before starting this podcast, I did a little research and realized for the past 10 years, I have accumulated over 10,000 hours in casting director Q&As, and I can pretty much at this point recite all the rote answers that casting directors propose to us. Uh, Don't send postcards. Uh, Save your money. Don't call the office. Hey, have a reel. Show up on time. Guys, be prepared. Oh, and what's the new one? Oh, if you're going to use a ring light, um, we don't want to see the circle in your eyes. It's distracting. If you've attended any Q&A panel with a casting director, you know at some point during that panel, an actor will stand up and ask the question, how can I get on your radar? Now, when this happens, I tend to scrutinize the casting director's facial expression as they attempt to cover the irritation of always being asked this question. They're probably always being asked this question because most times they don't really give us an answer. And I've come to realize that casting directors don't actually want to divulge how to gain access to them. So they ramble off what I call pacifiers, comments of kind of sort of an answer to the question, but not really. You know, I sometimes wonder if they insularly share memos like 10 ways to pacify actors so they can stop asking us questions. These are just thoughts that I have because I'm just trying to understand what's happening. Because somewhere in their response, the casting director will always drop this phrase. And I want you to giggle if you've heard it. Actors should always be training. (laughs) Putting the onus back on the actor, on us, but never really genuinely answering the question we asked. Now, the actor who asked the question offers a performative smile with a gracious, oh, thank you, while sitting back down, never having your question answered. Guys, it's me. I'm the actor. I've asked this question once, took my pacifier like a champ, sat down in befuddlement because I'm like, did she answer the question? Or is no, is this me? Okay, great. So over time, I just stopped asking that question. But it always comes up, and I just always kind of feel bad for my actor peer who's about to get this bewildered response. Needless to say, over time, I grew bored hearing casting directors tell me, us, that actors should always be training as if that's the missing element to why we're not working. I just don't find the advice to be helpful, especially if you train with a trauma teacher. Sidebar, check out episode 101 of How I Survived a Trauma Teacher. It's called Trauma Teacher. Okay, and we're back. So after my 10,000 hours spent with casting directors telling me what not to do, I had to stop attending casting director Q&As and begin to reprogram my mind to operate like a small business owner. A small business owner has to generate leads, and they do so by exercising proper business tactics, which let a casting director tell it. They'll say, hey, don't use those business tactics on us. We don't want to hear from you. Don't bother us. We're busy. So I had to stop allowing the programming that was leading me to believe that I'm a nuisance if I market and promote myself. 
And then I had to reframe the question. Should actors always be training? Actor friends, don't we already know that being hashtag trained is the nexus to our acting career success? Should we always be training, though? Well, I vote no. And please don't mistake this statement to mean that actors should not have a strong foundation of training, because when you get the opportunity to audition, your technique will be required, and it's the one thing that will stave away those nerves and also book you the job. Okay, so if I don't believe an actor should always be training, what do I believe? I believe an actor should always be working. Now, always is subjective because everybody has their idea of what always is and we can make those adjustments for ourselves. But let's just say it's like consistently working. I mean, being in a classroom for the most part is it's safe. It's a controlled environment. It's my second home. I feel comfortable there, even if I'm nervous to put up a scene, but I'm in front of my peers who I know will respect me and and give me kudos. And look, We can live out high stakes in class, but it's just not the same as being on a sound stage or an actual stage. And I always have someone coaching me on what to do, which in a way diminishes my internal compass to trust my instincts. Because once I'm on set, especially if it's a sitcom and they change the script on the spot, I have to have the ability to rely on my instincts to make the proper choices without second guessing myself. The red light is rolling. It's my coverage. And I've got to execute. I can't call a friend, or in this case, a coach. But think about it. You get a new job. They train you for a week. It's safe because you shadow someone who's there coaching you. You make errors. The trainer makes the correction. And then when that week is over, you're on your own to figure it out. You make all kinds of mistakes, but you can rely on your instinct and your knowledge and possibly your notes. And then you become great at your job over time by doing. I believe it's the same for actors. When we work on actual productions, we develop our instincts to make the best choice for what's occurring. We're in an uncontrolled environment, working opposite people we don't know, so we have no idea what's about to come at us. Like when you're in class, you kind of know your classmates' things. You know the things that they're going to lob at you. The director most times won't give us direction. Then we'll... The director most times won't give you direction on set. Then... You wonder if you're doing well. Well, I've learned that no direction means that I'm doing fine. And when I'm not, the director will tell me. But overall, we become better actors by on-the-job training, sharpening our skills of discernment by being in the actual experience because repetition is the mother of skill. I know this to be true. I've experienced it. And it is. The more we do something and work on real projects, productions, the better actors we become. And I'm not talking perfection. I'm talking mastery. Award-winning actress Anjanue Ellis stated in an interview that while she graduated from NYU School of Tisch, she didn't learn how to act until she started working. Now, I find that to be true of my experience. And don't get me wrong, we all have blind spots, so there's nothing wrong with hiring a coach to widen your vision to more possibilities. Any day working on a live set can be unnerving or at least I'll speak for myself, there's just no way of knowing how to prepare for the surprise occurrences that happen on set. But the more you do it, you just have to be in it because over time, you discover all the tools to best navigate. But now I feel like I hear somebody saying, always be working, but Tawana, I don't have an agent. My agent doesn't get me out, et cetera, et cetera. Now I'm not gonna go on a tangent on this, but as a small business owner, I don't rely solely on my agents to get me auditions. 
It's ultimately my responsibility to do the heavy lifting of building a body of work and then bring those victories to my agents so they can pitch me more effectively. I once saw actress Michelle Williams speak at a Manchester by the Sea screening saying she still writes letters to producers and directors to get auditions and meetings because it's her responsibility to be a good partner with her agent. And she's not the only celebrity actor who is out here procuring their own work and generating opportunities. So, how does an actor stay working? Well, first of all, I believe a working actor is focused on being well-rounded because I have no control over who will hire me or when. And if we're talking about network TV and major motion picture roles, then it takes even more time to even get invited to those auditions. So I can't wait around doing nothing until that happens. I can't wait around for somebody to call to give me work. We are living in the most potent time of storytelling across multiple mediums. Web series, narrative podcasts, independent films, and digital shorts, talented actors are in high demand now more than ever. The opportunities are abundant. So here are four things I do to always be working. One, content creation. Two, self-submissions. Three, marketing. And four, being of service. One, creating content. Since I started creating content, which was the top of the pandemic. I have never felt so empowered and more fulfilled in my ability than maybe performing on stage. I don't know. I I just feel, I feel like I have control of my career since I started creating content and everything else is not as important as it used to be because me being a content creator levels the playing field. When I create content, it's my creativity. I write, I film, I perform, I edit. Uh, the biggest obstacle, though, I should, I should say this, was overcoming perfection. I think the world suffers with this and feeling like an imposter, right? But you know what? It's just like acting. We just got to do it. We just got to always be doing it. Director, writer, actor, and producer Mark Duplass helped me get over this hump in his 2015 South by Southwest South by Southwest speech. You've got to Google it and listen to it. It's so insightful and so authentic. And he just breaks down. He just he just shares a lot of facts about Hollywood. His speech. Well, I don't know if it's called The Calvary Isn't Coming, but that's what I've labeled it. So Mark told the audience, and I'm paraphrasing, just make films. They will be bad at first and you'll get better, but make films and then submit those films to small festivals with an occasional big one. But don't wait for The Calvary to come and get you. They're not coming. So make your own way. That's what led me to start creating. Because he and his brother Jay filmed something. As a matter of fact, Jay was an actor who was tired of waiting. And so they filmed something with a broken pixel in the center of their camera and submitted that film. And I think it was Sundance that it got into. And then that was like the beginning of them being known as these directors, producers, uh, writers, and actors. During his speech, there was a question from the audience. There were few, but there was one that specifically came from an actress who admired his work. And she talked about how much she loved their work, him and Jay. And then she roundaboutly asked, how do I get on your radar to work with you? 
But Mark didn't cringe. He wasn't irritated. He didn't feign kindness. He simply and sincerely responded, make your own films and then you'll become a filmmaker. Meet other filmmakers and we put out filmmaker friends in films. It was a mind opening moment that I didn't know I needed to hear because, yeah, we're constantly being told to create our own content, but I needed to hear somebody of that stature talk about his early beginnings of making imperfect films. Sometimes alone, sometimes with my sketch comedy team, Diversity Higher Comedy. As a matter of fact, two very imperfect micro shorts that I wrote and filmed made official selection, one at the Studio City Film Festival and the other in the Brightside Tavern Film Festival. You can watch both of those shorts on my website at TawanaFloyd.com. One is called Alone Together and the other is A Sense of Belonging. I did those in my home during the pandemic. And thanks to Mark, I just started submitting them to festivals. So, you know, I recognize the idea of creating content can sound intimidating to some. I acknowledge this because there was a time where I was scared to start as well. But even if you don't possess all the skills, I bet you there's one that you haven't cultivated yet. I bet that there's that one that you've always been wanting to spend more time focusing on. And take this as an Take this as an invitation to just start exercising that skill in a way. For instance, I created this podcast for three reasons. One, I wanted to help others by sharing what I've learned. Two, I wanted to become a better short story slash essay writer. And three, I wanted to become better at voiceovers. I mean, you're here listening. You see it's not perfect, but I am improving on all three of those items with each episode that I produce, and it helps me get over my fear, and it helps me get over the idea that I'm not able. And look, even if you still feel intimidated, that's okay too. You get where you need to go in your own time. So you know what? Here's a couple of simpler ways to create content. You could find a monologue from a contemporary playwright. Not a popular one though. Seek out one of those good obscure ones. Do your character and script analysis, rehearse it and self-tape it. Maybe not with an actor background. Maybe like there's a spot in your house that kind of goes with it. So it can kind of feel like it's an actual set. Just make sure you have good light and microphone and be rehearsed. And then and then you'll have new footage to share with your agent and casting directors and social media. Okay, I just lost some people on the social media. I know. Don't be scared. Social media is where it's at. Social media, Instagram, TikTok is where People are putting up their most imperfect, authentic works and being found and being recognized. So don't be afraid of social media. Don't worry about what your friends have to say. You have a bigger vision and you have a bigger purpose for doing this. Another content creation approach is to choose a play you love. Gather like five or eight of your talented actor friends whose work you admire, who have great work ethics, set a date and mount a Zoom reading. Be sure to invite people, other actors, writers, family, friends, casting directors and agents, and be sure to record it and save it because if somebody has a kick-ass performance, they can use that for their reel. The whole purpose of creating content is to showcase the characters you don't usually get hired to play and to build a body of work. Moving on to number two, self-submitting. Whether you have an agent or not, you have carte blanche to find roles you desire to play on Actors Access. 
Backstage.com, Casting Networks, or whatever actor submission site you use in your city or country. You know, there are so many success stories of actors submitting themselves for independent projects that turned into notable works. When I think of the 2011 Sundance Excellence in Cinematography Award, Pariah, by Dee Reese, the lead actress, Adepero Aduye, forgive me if I'm saying that wrong, was hired for the lead role by submitting herself in backstage. So you can imagine, and it was a really great film, so you can imagine what that film did for her career. I personally like to self-submit to USC thesis projects, and I choose thesis projects because the student filmmakers are much more experienced than the undergrad students. And out of the five USC films I participated in, one became an official selection at three major festivals. That film put me and my work in three places for more people to see, and I received great footage. Number three, marketing. You know, I think I'll do a separate episode on marketing, but just so you know this, the more you share your work, the more you remind people to consider you for their projects. We are in an out-of-sight, out-of-mind state of mental bombardment because there's so much content coming around. And so we have to keep reminding people that we exist with evidence of our excellence, to use Stuart K. Robinson's phrase. Man, you got to post it on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, your website. Email it to people you know so that they can assist you in your endeavors. You know, I get 90% of my work from my actor peers. They know my work because we've either worked together or they've seen me on stage or they watch my quirky social media posts. And working with my peers is always such a rewarding experience because the collaboration is so rich and they hire me for my niche. And number four, being of service. Volunteering on projects that excite you. Offering your skills as a PA, writer's assistant, or craft services, some sort of assistant where you can gain new skills, but you know all those skills that you have that you've acquired over the years that we call special skills, you can use those to help other people. Your active service puts you in the mix of storytelling and collaboration. You help others who may not have a budget for a service you can fulfill. Caveat, though. While I believe actors should always be working, I don't believe we should just work on anything. You know, I'm guilty of saying, I just want to work. (laughs) I used to say that all the time. And then I started to realize that everything that I would just say yes to without discerning and considering all the parts at play turned into be the most dreadful and regrettable (laughs) projects that I'd ever worked on. I had to get aligned with my morals and values and principles so that I could start being discerning before I said yes to projects. Say no to work that is out of alignment with your values. Research all the players that you're slated to work with. And definitely don't go to the callbacks if they seem shady or rude or inept at the first audition. And by all means, stay away from Broken Promises Productions. That's what I call producers who make promises trying to sell you a dream, but their words don't match their actions. Decline that job. And if it feels anything that feels awful in your gut, That's your intuition ringing the alarm, honey. Say no. And say no before it's too late, before you get in too deep. Work on projects with dynamic storytellers that are respectful, upstanding, operate with integrity, and appreciate collaboration and the performance that you bring. 
These are the people that you will elevate with. So before I wrap up, I just want to circle back and talk about actors should always be training. It's possible that it sounds like that I'm against the idea that actors should always be training. I am not. It is our prerogative to train as often and as long as we choose. I train all the time. I'm the person who's always in a class. I like community. I like learning new things. But I also take breaks. I take breaks to marinate on what I've just learned. I take breaks when I start to feel like there's something uncomfortable about the space that I'm in. And I just take breaks because I'm tired and I need rest. I just get annoyed when we ask for guidance from people who can employ us and they just pacify us with a, well, you know, actors should just always be training. I don't know about you, but I didn't become an actor to always be training. I became an actor to always be a working actor, acting, performing, dissolving into a character, collaborating with other actors, directors and producers, telling compelling stories, learning the art and science of film and TV and stage. And I got to tell you, with technology on our side, we have more access to casting auditions than ever before. And more importantly, as scary as it may seem, we can now create work for ourselves. And we're seeing more evidence of that in actors creating their own opportunities in shows like Issa Rae, Michaela Cole, Donald Glover, uh, Quinta Brunson, the 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 Duplass brothers. There's so many people. So just know that this topic was to encourage you to generate work and to remind you that you don't have to wait to get an agent or the best agent. The best thing you can do for your career, or I'll say this for myself as a reminder, the best thing I can do for my career is build a body of work that makes people say, who the heck is that? Where'd she come from? Oh, I want to work with that person. See if we can find her. Look her up on IMDb because we all do that. And no one can say those things about us if we don't put ourselves in the workforce and promote our work for people to see. We are our best representatives. So let's together step into the small business owner's shoes and be our own representatives. (sighs) I feel like I had a sermon today. (laughs) That's it for this episode of Acting Lessons Learned. You can learn more about me at my website, TawanaFloyd.com, or follow me on Instagram at Acting Lessons Learned. And then I'll be back here in two weeks. And if you don't want to miss an episode, subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're on. And, you know, share it with an actor friend who you think may be interested. And just remember this. We get good over time. There is nothing wrong with failing as you grow and letting people see you fail. Every successful person that you can name has failed, sometimes publicly, sometimes privately, and then they became who they are. And so we can do the same. Give yourself permission to fail. Until next time, see you later.